Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. All right, it is day 34. Come get some has been done for 34 shows now. Today is part two of my conversation with Harrison Smith. I've loved and enjoyed speaking with him about Death House and his his uh, feelings on horror and critics. I got to tell you, uh, it's a day late. I do apologize for the delay. Had a little family thing. It couldn't uh, be avoided. Um, in the meantime, uh, Hurricane Matthew had no effect on my area. Uh, no problems there. And uh, before we get on to part two of my conversation with Harrison Smith, I want to address the 300-pound jackass in the room. And I am not referring to the political icon for uh, the Democratic Party. <laughs> I'm talking about Donald Trump. Um, and I don't mean to call Donald Trump a jackass, uh, or maybe I do, but I noticed over the weekend, you guys might see me on Twitter popping off about it. Uh, couldn't help noticing I was listening to Come Get Some, uh, because I'm Maine, and uh, I'm listening to Come Get Some with a buddy of mine, and I'm noticing there's like a Donald Trump ad, a Donald Trump for president ad before every episode. He's like, oh, so you support Trump? Like, no, no, is that what people are getting from this? Look. I don't like that that ad is playing before my show. It's kind of strange that political agenda is being forced upon my listeners. Uh, I am I, probably leaning towards sandwich, but don't worry. If you're voting for Trump, I don't judge anyone uh, strictly based on their ability to tell when someone's using Nazi propaganda, but that's neither here nor there. I'm just glad you're all listening. You're back with me here with the six cult. You remember – you might remember a little while back I brought you uh, some promos for the upcoming fall lineup for Prison TV. Uh, you heard how they have a comedy lineup slated starting with uh, Jarrett Fogel and Bill Cosby uh, to Hell in a Handbasket. You've heard about the late-night uh, adults-only programming, uh, Conjugal, on Prison TV after dark. Well, they're also getting into the holiday spirit. Wait until you hear what you have uh, planned for this uh, for this Christmas. Check it out. New this fall on Prison TV. This Christmas on Prison TV. Witness glad tidings from the most unexpected of places. Meet Charles Manson, reviled cult leader, brutal murderer. The Devil Incarnate. On this investigative miniseries, Charlie Manson will be tasked with doing good deeds through the 12 days of Christmas. Witness such unexpected emotions as empathy, confusion. Your head may just flipping explode this Christmas on Prison TV. Don't miss 
Charles Manson Miracles. Only on Prison TV. If Prison TV is not available in your soul, see your local warden. Not available in solitary confinement. There you have it. Prison TV is getting in the holiday spirit. But right now we're getting into the horror spirit. As we talk about Death House a little bit more in depth, here is part two with with, uh, Charles Manson. Part two with Harrison Smith. Uh, Stay tuned for after for a preview of next week's final part with Harrison Smith. I try to keep it down to two parts. I just couldn't. There was too much content. Next week you'll get a little bit more, which I'll talk about and preview at the end of the interview. Here you go. They need an explanation why Kane can regenerate, but everybody accepts the fact that four times a tornado can throw out man-eating sharks and put them in space. And everybody goes, oh, yeah, that's fun. Did, did, you, see, um, did you see Suicide Squad, Harrison? I have not, no. You have I, not? Okay, I can't talk about I, it. I, uh, <laughs> I got burned enough between um, uh, Batman versus Superman. <laughs> And the Man of Steel. I, I, and I'm not a superhero guy. I mean, that's great for those who are into him, but I'm not into that. I mean, you know, it's, it's fine. I like Deadpool. I thought it was it was funny yeah, overall, and it was a well-made film. And for Deadpool the most was part, good. most of these superhero films, I mean, look, who's going to say that The Avengers is not well-made? You know, it's just, it's just not my thing. But, you know, God bless anybody it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, I had this thing. You can get back to me on this. I have this this theory that, uh, the people who made Suicide Squad saw Sharknado too many times, and, and you can tell me if you can spot where I'm talking about when you see it. <laughs> it feels like it's the same movie at some, at some point. <laughs> uh, but it's, I think I like I actually did like Suicide Squad. Just the ending didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, so I want to tell you what can I tell you what I thought Death House was going to be? Sure. And uh, before before I tell you what I thought Death House was going to be. I like what it's going to be. Uh, I've heard you talk about it. It's about the five evils. There's there's a whole world that you've taken, uh, I guess an example would be like the Hardy Boys or the Suki Stackhouse series. It's it, it's it's a journey, right? I mean, this is about a very specific... You, you built a whole world around this movie, about what this movie is. That's right. And let me just stop you there for a moment. I don't mind that people don't like my stuff, like even when that guy said, oh, you took it so personally, then just when you criticize, know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's all I ask. You know, I, I had a, a, a terrible review one time for Camp Dread, and I contacted the reviewer and said, this just might be the best negative review I've ever received. <laughs> it was so well written, and it was so well thought out, and they didn't like the movie at all. I think he gave it like one star. Right. And But it was so well written. It was like so I don't want to sound like I come across like I just have a thin skin. I don't. Right, but right. it's just simply, right, right. I wanted to, to say that, that it's okay if somebody doesn't like your stuff. Look, there are people out there that hate Jaws. They don't like Star Wars. They Look at me. I'm not a fan of superhero films. I'm not saying those films are bad. I'm just saying that either they didn't do their job and entertain me, or it just, it just fell flat for me, or it's just not my interest. There are people that don't like horror films. Right. Great. You know, that's fine. I'm not being judgmental, but people, and then I love when people are judgmental and you call them out on it and then they go, well, why are you taking it personal? Why are you getting upset? Like the horror honeys bust on me all the time because they, they always say when I do interviews, I sound like I'm ranting. No, it's just that everybody else has become so mediocre and, and they become so average that anytime you speak with passion, you're ranting. 
I find you know it. I, mean? I find it motivational. I do. Well, I would hope so. I mean, I'm look. I'm just doing my job. This is what I always wanted to do. You know, this is always what I wanted to do for a living, and and I feel blessed that I'm able to do this, and I get to work with these people. So sometimes, yeah, when you when you hear somebody say, "Oh, these people are has-beens," it's like you don't even know these people. I've worked with them. I've I've eaten lunch and dinner with them. I've hung out with them personally. I've listened to their stories. Like these are human beings too, and they're out there for doing a living to provide memories to people. And I think that's the importance of Death House. This is a cultural time capsule of the genre, and all these people will not be gathered together again. Right. You know, in one. No one's ever done it. No one's ever tried to do it. It seems it's it's, it's a right. once in a lifetime thing. So when people go like you just said, oh, you know, I, I like what Death House is, and I have a lot of questions. That's what we wanted. We wanted to give something different this time around. You know, what do you want? You want them all gathered in a single place? Oh, look, there's Sid Haig, and he's killing someone. Oh, look, there's Tony Todd. He's going to kill someone for his 30 seconds in the film. We didn't do that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We didn't make an R-rated Scooby-Doo episode. You just nailed me. You just nailed me. That's what I was thinking it was going to be. I thought they were going to be together, like, celebrating years of horror, and they were all getting picked off by another killer. But uh, not at all. But I like what you did. What you did is actually a bigger, deeper world. What I said, what I thought in my brain was typical, has been done before, sort of, but not with this cast. But what you did, you had a whole new original world you built, and I and I really think that's great. Well, thank you, and that's what we tried to do, and that's what Gunner wanted. You know, look, I'm not Spielberg. I, I'm very well aware of my place in in the world. I'm, I'm working my ass off to make some good film entertainment for people, and I hope that they like Death House and one day pass this DVD on to their kids and say, hey, when I was growing up, these were the people that were really cool, and tell them stories. You know, That's what a good story should do. It should unite people. It should bond people. It should, it should give a good time. And Absolutely. How is that ranting when you're passionate about what you do? There are enough people out there, Chris, that are making movies that have no passion. Making a mediocre movie is easy. Making a bad movie is actually really hard, you know? <laughs> but when you're just making a mediocre film, you're just going, eh, yeah, that's what this is. We're just going to put it out there. Right, you and know what you're doing. They'll come, Yeah. you know? They'll come see it. I can tell you, I can tell you, that's why I wanted you on here. This is what I like about you. I like that you're ranting. I like that you're ranting. I like, you say things no one else is saying, and it needs to be said. So, so no, why would you? People, no, a lot of people are saying it, but they get shouted down. They're called racist or misogynist or homophobes or whatever word that the other people call back, or you're judgmental, you're a hater. That's one of my favorites, the haters. I don't think people who don't like my movie are haters. Right. I don't think any of that. I think it's a stupid term. That's like what a five-year-old calls you. You're a hater. Right. It's just simply, why is it you're a hater when you don't agree with something anymore? We've lost our ability to have a national discourse on things. We can't talk about culture anymore because if everybody's like, well, I'll, I, I totally agree with you as long as you agree with me. You know, and if you disagree with me, well, then you're, you're judgmental. You're passing judgment you're a hater, you're this. No, it's not like that at all. It's just whatever happened to good, old-fashioned film criticism. Like, you know, even Roger Ebert, who was a huge defender of Wes Craven's uh, Last House on the Left, when he died, man, I saw, like, some comments on YouTube that people put. Like, why would you even say such garbage? You know, like, you know, glad that he died. He, they, one guy wrote, I hope his death from cancer was even more painful than what I read. Like, what gives you the right? Why aren't you a hater? You know, why is it that somebody who 
speaks up and talks about movies, well, they're, they're, they don't know what they're talking about. And all, I mean, you know, Ebert only won a Pulitzer Prize, uh, at least one that I know of. So, <laughs> it almost... You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we've become this society that everybody wants their 15 seconds. And so they'll go on the Internet and they'll post something mean, or they go on blogs, and they, you know, I love the, the ones that go on the blogs, hey, everybody, and you look and they have like three subscribers and 80 views. Who's everybody? What do you mean, <laughs> hey, everybody? <laughs> hey, everyone, this week my review of Halloween 3, great, you're only 30 years too late. And Scott Weinberg uh, said it best one time. He said, it's not that filmmakers have thin skins. They just get tired of the ignorance. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's you know? so much that goes into it. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about the movie itself. Um, sure. You filmed the movie uh, Death House at the Holmesburg prison in Philadelphia. Yeah, is that right? Holmesburg in Philadelphia, correct. Now I saw you in a Q and A once uh, talk about a book about that prison called Acres of Skin. Correct. Acres of Skin. So in the preview, I see there's tests going on. I'm I'm seeing a, a little correlation here. This movie was inspired by this prison that it's being no, filmed in? No, not at all. In fact, the movie was inspired more by uh, uh, the MK Ultra experiments of, of the late 40s, 50s, okay. and 60s that started really under Operation Paperclip in around like 1948, somewhere there. Okay, and then um, from there, there are some effects from it that come uh, that weren't expected, apparently. Oh, of course, yeah. Things went wrong. And, you know, human experimentation yielded some bad results. Uh, you find some of those things out. I mean, basically, uh, the movie itself is, is very much modeled on, on the Jurassic Park model. Instead of the expendables of art, it's more like Jurassic Park without the dinosaurs. Interesting. Um, you know, you have two young federal agents. They're touring the prison. Uh, the ride breaks down, and the monsters get out. Should, That's pretty yeah. much it. A little bit of should we really be doing this experiment type of uh, theme there a little bit. No, no. Well, the, the real experiment, which this is, you kind of come to a really good part about the film, the real experiment is, is their belief that they can actually, through technology, exterminate evil. And ah. Evil. And the best part is, is even evil is scared of what's inside of Death House. Because wow. if evil is exterminated, then vicariously you've, de- you've destroyed good, is really what you've done. And that is why at the end there's a great line by Bill Mosley, who plays the head of the five evils. And Bill, when they finally meet the five evils, Bill steps forward, and his first line is, I am God, the great and terrible, which has a whole Wizard of Oz reference right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean... That's what I mean. Like, there's all these people, like, you know, like, not all these people, but, you know, the few loudmouths that don't like the trailer or whatever, and it's like, you haven't even given the film a chance because we actually did something pretty cool here. Yeah, like, you don't know what's going on yet. Wait till you see what's going on. Right. Why would we tell you everything? You know, why, why would we want to do that? We, I want a movie where people go, oh, shit, no, I didn't know that was coming. You know, like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with providing a good old-fashioned good time? And so the, the movie itself has, you know, a kind of really cool, elevated esoteric about what is true good and what is true evil, and really the symbiotic relationship between the two. I mean, the film opens with a line that says, who weeps for Satan? You know, <laughs> who weeps for him? Wow. I, 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 the, the more we talk about it, the more I get excited about it, to be honest with you. Um, the, uh, I know you don't want to give away too much. You said, uh, now I'm recording this two weeks before it airs, so by now everybody knows the big announcement. So let's, let's talk about the big announcement that you, that you made. 
Sure. What I did is, is I created a video uh, with much of our celebrity cast. They, they all contributed. And um, they all gave some input in asking that are basically stupid horror questions. Um, because <laughs> what really what inspired me was I got a tweet from somebody, a private tweet that said, Hey, Harrison, have you ever seen the MTV series Scream? You should make a movie out of that. And that did it. And then, and that summed it up for me right there. And that is, this is what Death House is up against. This is, what, this is what the entire genre is up against. Number one, just understand my logic here. We have cell phones with more power in them than it took to land the, the men on the moon. Right. Okay. And, you know, we have this awesome technology. Dude, all you have to do is just type in screen, right? And it's going to come up that it was a movie. Someone commented also, oh, I love how they made Barbara Crampton up to look like Drew Barrymore from, from Scream. No, that's not what we did, but okay. I mean, thanks for saying it, but no, that's well, not what we, we did at all. You're dealing with four generations of people now, too, so you got some young ones that don't have a clue. Right. You know, so when that Scream question came through, I created a video. Uh, I reached out to a lot of the celebrities, and I said, look, I think the important, part of the importance of marketing this movie is also to show people that, you know, we have a lot of history in this movie as well, and the importance of these people that are involved, like someone like Lloyd Kaufman. I mean, Lloyd has done so much for independent film, not just independent horror, but independent film. And, you know, trauma is still around. And when Lloyd is gone, you know, there's a, another little light that goes out in the world. Like, you know, he's yeah. one of the last of his kind. He really is. There are no more Roger Cormans. I mean, when Roger Corman... Wow, really yeah. You know what I'm saying? There, there's a name they won't know. There's a name they won't know. Right, there's an... <laughs> oh, I'll bet you some people will scratch their heads when I say Frank Henenlotter. You yep. know, when Henenlotter, a basket case, Lloyd, Lloyd Kaufman of Troma Studios with, you know, Class of Newcomb High and all this other stuff. And you know what I mean? Like, and Roger Corman, of course, that gave us everything from Little Shop of Horrors and no, not the big expensive one with Rick Moranis. Okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and look, Jack Nicholson probably owes his career to Roger Corman. You know, Francis Ford Coppola offers, you know, owes his career to, like, William Castle. You know, and there's another name that people don't know. These are the last of the great showmen and artists who, who never did go on, really, to make gigantic movies. And they could have. They liked where they were at. They made what they did, you know? And, and that was a craft. And, and that's the other thing I think that's missing. So I, I know, again, I sound like I'm probably ranting, but that's why Death House was important to me. When they came to me and said, it's pitched as the expendables of horror, I replied right back, I have no interest in making a movie like that. No right. interest at all. I don't want to make a gimmick movie. You know? That would have been the idea I came up with. That would have been the, that would have been the expendables of horror. Well, and when they totally turned me off the project, I said, if, if you want to make a movie that pays respect to the genre and the people that are in it, well, then I'll make that movie, but I'm not going to make this. I'm not going to make the expendables of horror. Right. I mean, it's great that some people know of it, like even at Days of the Dead at that convention, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, the expendables of horror. I'm like, eh, all right, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know about it, so I guess that's a good thing. You know, <laughs> you know about it. Right. Well, it's, 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 I think that video is great because it's kind of a re-education for, for people who, who need to know. Um, I don't know. Your grand, I think your grandmother is a good example. Uh, you know, if your children get old enough to watch horror, if you're into horror, tell them about the horror movies that you watched as a child and what was great about them. And, 
and, well, and get them into I mean, the newer let's, stuff. Let's go to these conventions and they're paying $25 in autographs. They're not doing it just because they met somebody famous. They're doing it because nine times out of ten, they tell these stars, oh, my God, I remember when I was 14 and I saw Friday the 13th for the first time. Like, they're sharing a memory. This yep. is a cultural bond. You know, Absolutely. Rob Bradley, all these people, uh, you know, Amanda Wiss, Heather Leggenkamp, you know, Robert Eng- whatever it is, they, people come to see them, and in a way that, look, somebody goes, oh, $25 for, you know, Heather Leggenkamp's autograph? Yeah, because you know what? She gave you a million dollars worth of memory. It's only twenty five hours. So, you know, I it's only twenty five hours. Is my thought. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you've given so much. They've given so much to society and culture. You know, but look, nobody's holding a gun to anybody's head to go to these conventions to pay it. They pay yep. it because they want to. And why? They want to share their story. I'll bet you almost all the horror stars that are listening to me right now are nodding their heads going, yep, that's what they do. They come to the table and they tell me about the time they did this and then they bring their little kid with a Jason mask on or a Freddy glove. <laughs> it's passing it on. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yep. What I'm saying is that's culture. That's what yep. we should be doing. The, the movie should be enjoyed, not just you know, created and thrown on Netflix to watch on an iPad or watch on a cell phone. You know, and, and again, sometimes that's fine. But Jaws wasn't meant to be seen on a tiny screen. You know, yeah. it wasn't meant to be that at all. I can't imagine Jaws on a tiny screen. No. It's, and that's why when somebody goes, oh, I saw Jaws. Well, what did you catch on? Well, I watched it on my Sam, Samsung Galaxy. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not meant to be seen on that. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it loses a lot. I, 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 I'm sorry this is going long, but you've been giving me a lot of great okay. content. So hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully we can uh, get a couple quick things in here. Um, sure, go ahead. Um, you can edit all this down, I'm sure, by the way. Right? <laughs> we'll see. I might just make it three parts. I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to look back because you, 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 you have a lot to say, and I love it all. I think a lot of people are going to appreciate a lot of what you're saying, and, and I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to censor you, uh, Harrison. I want, I want right. this all out, um, and, and I, think, I think you might appreciate that. Um, you talk about people missing um, I don't know if you're comfortable with me bringing this up. Uh, originally, I remember Robert England's name being mentioned, but I know he's not uh, mentioned anymore with the film. Well, he was originally. He was when Gunner was doing it. And, of course, as everybody knows, Gunner died. Yeah. Um, and Robert was tied up with three other projects at the time. And Robert got the script. He read the script. His agent read the script. And his wife read the script. I believe his wife read the script, but she she got it. It was just simply... Robert was on like this, he was coming from England, stopping back in the United States, and I think heading to Canada or something. But it was just a matter of scheduling. Right. Like, Robert's never dissed the film. Like, fans are like, oh, and I love how some people go, oh, where's Bob England? Like, they know him. Like, they're hanging out. <laughs> I, don't think called, I don't think he likes being called Bob, from what I've heard. Um, he's a very pleasant man, very nice man. And it was just simply a matter of his scheduling. You know, oh, oh, where's this one? Where, where's Jeffrey Combs and all it? Look, well, we approached many people. Some of them had other things to do. And yeah. the project was floating around for so long that some of them gave up. They said, this is never getting me. You know? Well, I'm in no way suggesting this is happening because I don't know. But you said there's some surprises in this film. And you said there's going to be more people in future films. So I imagine people shouldn't, you know, give up hope. <laughs> that we'll see some of these other uh, icons in future movies. Oh, absolutely. Nobody should give up hope on that. And and we have, you know, five sequels 
plan to this. You know, so we're we're pretty excited, and I you know I think we made a really good and most of all a really fun film, and that's what I'm really happy about. Oh, uh, I can't wait. We 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 got everybody together. And whether you like it or don't, whether you hate it or love it, the fact is you weren't screwed over, okay? You weren't, we didn't sit down and go, gee, how can we screw over the audience? How can we just fleece them of their money and make them part? Because basically that's what people did with Jaws the Revenge. Right. You know? It's a much cash grab. Yeah, we have $28 million to make movies. How can we make the worst possible film we possibly can? Because we just don't care. Like, we know that a certain amount of people are going to come. It's just the odds. They will come, no matter what. Right. You put a black screen up for 90 minutes, <laughs> people will still pay to see this, because it's jaw. Right. You know? That's cynical. And that's why my articles, my series of articles called Cinema, started to appear. It was that movie that inspired that. Yeah, i got to check out those articles, because you, you write, I've, I've read a couple of them. You write some pretty good stuff there. Um, and it's like you said with the horror icons nodding their heads to the, to the uh, interview. They, they, I'm nodding my head to that. Um, I, I think a lot of uh, what you say speaks for itself. Uh, you have that integrity. All right. So there's part two. I, I, funny thing, I did edit it down, and it's still three parts. This is the only way I can make it be coherent and go uh, to its completion. Um, I want you all to know, uh, first, first of all, I can't wait to see Death House. I, I just can't wait. I get more and more excited the more he talks about it. Uh, and he has other interviews with other podcasts. Usually all the podcasts don't talk about other podcasts, but listen to all his interviews. He's always got something good to say. You know, a lot of it's the same. A lot of it's you find out more things in other interviews depending on the kind of questions asked. It's interesting. Um, again, I really enjoyed this conversation. But I want you all to know in two weeks, I'm going to have one, a good friend of mine uh, from social media on Twitter named GR. Uh, you can find him on Twitter under at Retrospect360, and you can find his website at internalhero.com. I'm going to have him as my special guest as part one of the two-part uh, uh, conversation in two weeks about being the hero and being put in comic books. You're going to love that. You're going to want to check that out. Uh, next week, I have Harrison Smith back for part three, the third and final part of our conversation about Death House. We talk about uh, a little bit more about Robert England. Would Harrison Smith do a Night Run on Street remake? Uh, what does uh, Harrison Smith think is scarier, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, or, or Ed Gein? Look up who Ed Gein is if you don't know who he is. Uh, and, uh, and much more next week will be answered. So check that out, 10 questions, and uh, the final part of Harrison Smith. Until then, you all have a great week. I hope you're all safe and staying out of, uh, out of the storm's ways. I know there were some tornadoes in the middle of the country, and the hurricane's still not done wreaking havoc on the east coastline of the United States. So everybody stay safe. I hope uh, all your loved ones are safe, and have a good week. That about sums it up. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.